Podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, some bad news on the electoral front. Elections Canada admits there are more than 112,000 illegal voters on the federal voters list. Oh, and here's some even worse news, folks. Elections Canada says it doesn't have enough time to fix this problem before October's federal election. It's barbecue season right now, after all. Sheila Gunn-Reed will weigh in on this egregious situation. Well, Mr. Bexty went to Washington recently, and guess what happened? He was given the royal treatment by the Americans, but he was actually denied entry to the Canadian embassy by the Prime Minister's office due to, what, rebel derangement syndrome? Kian Bexty will weigh in on Justin Trudeau's slimy ways when it comes to banning media outlets that dare to rock the boat. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding how one media outlet, that would be little old us, was, had to be frog marched out of an Eid Mubarak dinner hosted by the Canadian Muslim Vote and featuring Justin Trudeau as the guest of honour. Hey, I'm feeling deja vu right now. But apparently we aren't government approved and or union approved and or Muslim approved media. So therefore that makes us media non grata. <laughs> nice. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. paper question asked by Alberta Conservative MP Blake Richards shows us just how serious the Liberals really are about protecting Canadian elections. The answer is that it might be just too much work for them. Here's the question. With regard to the approximately 103,000 non-citizens who were found to be on the National Register of Electors illegally, how many voted in the 42nd general election in 2015? How many voted in each of the 338 electoral districts in the 42nd general election in 2015? How many voted in any federal by-election held since October 20th, 2015? And what is the breakdown by each riding where a by-election has been held? Hang on here, 103,000 non-citizens were on the National Register of Electors? That's shocking, really, more than the population of Red Deer, Alberta. Now, the response back from the Ministry of Democratic Institutions is even more troubling. Here's what we know from the response. That 103,000 number is actually much higher. It's actually 112 thousand and elections canada says they're taking steps now to remove these names in advance of the 2019 general election will they all be removed by then who really knows well welcome to electoral integrity justin trudeau style namely the ongoing threats to social media censorship pertaining to the upcoming fall federal election after all the control freak liberals don't want any more bad press to leak out a la SNC-Lavalin and Admiral Norman and of course Gropegate. 
But in the meantime, incredibly, there are more than 112,000 illegal voters that are on the federal voters list. Worse, the gatekeeper bureaucracy here, Elections Canada, openly admits that they have no idea of knowing what the consequences are of having those people on the list. And even though Elections Canada had almost four years to rectify this mess, they didn't. And now, apparently, they don't have enough time and it's too much work for Elections Canada to repair this problem in time for the October federal election. I mean, hey folks, after all, with the Dominion Day holiday just around the corner, we're into barbecue season right now. This is a dereliction of duty, this is an outrage, and this is nothing short of a slap in the face to every law-abiding, tax-paying Canadian who plays by the rules. The question now is this, given what we now know about this problem, where do we go from here? Joining me now with more on this egregious situation is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Sheila. Now, Sheila, this is downright disturbing to me, and I would imagine most uh, law-abiding Canadians. But I'm going to pose a hypothetical question here. Do you think that the governing Liberals were fully aware of this Elections Canada mess, yet they allowed it to fester? Because, hey, maybe the majority of those 112,000 illegal voters are perhaps voting Liberal? Well, we do know that the Elections Canada bureaucracy is partisan, whether they want to admit it or not. We can just see that with their bizarre focus on things. They have this censorship focus where they want to censor Google and YouTube. And now I see that Twitter has given in to their censorship demands and says that they won't allow any uh, political advertising in the lead up to the writ being dropped that just um, was announced uh Wednesday, Wednesday. Um, so, uh, you know, they are very partisan. All we have to do is look at their latest uh, elections influencer scheme where they were going to hire uh, 13 um, elections influencers, social media influencers, not a conservative in the bunch, not a blue collar type in the bunch, not an oil patch advocate in the bunch, all uh, either openly partisan liberals or people from pretty liberal industries like TV and, uh, you know, Olympic sports um, to try to get the vote out during the next election. And, you know, when you're hiring people with a liberal audience, you're only trying to mobilize liberal voters. And that's what Elections Canada has been up to the past four years. While they were fully aware, um, the first estimate was 103 thousand illegal voters were on the voter rolls but when the final results of an order paper question came back it's actually 112,000 so it's even worse than elections Canada first suspected um, and they haven't done anything to address it they, and there were several ridings in particular the pipeline minister's riding Amarjeet Sohi that were you know under a couple hundred votes they were that close had to undergo several recounts the, these votes are enough to have flipped some pretty um, important ridings in the country if these people voted illegally and Elections Canada doesn't have a clue. Oh, this is by no means insignificant. But Sheila, I want to touch upon the, <clears throat> this is what's making my blood boil. And, and if anyone who loves democracy it should make their blood boil, if there is one element of the bureaucracy that should be 
nonpartisan, that should be blind to politics 100%, it is something like Elections Canada. I'm not, you know, using hype here when I say that, you know, when you, if you don't have this bureaucracy playing by the rules strictly, this is the very bedrock of our democracy, a fair and open and transparent election campaign. And when they start getting this politicized, this just, you know, ruins, ruins the system, quite frankly. It should never be done. It should never be allowed to happen in the first place, Sheila. Well, yeah, and, you know, you've got the Liberals who literally won't shut up about elections integrity and cracking down on foreign meddling to the point where they want to censor normal, everyday Canadians. But this is actual, tangible voter fraud if these people voted. It's tangible. And the first time the Liberals even started to put this on their radar in a way that they could weed out some of these non-citizen people on their voter rolls was earlier in the spring. I think it was April. April, four years after the last election that they started to think, maybe we should cross-reference some of these voter registration lists with information from Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada. So they even have the names to weed these people out. They don't actually even have to go and phone up every single one of these people and ask for you know, their citizenship card. They can get the information directly from a government agency, cross-reference it and cross these people off the list, or for that matter, refer them for elections fraud if they did actually vote, knowing full well they couldn't vote. And none of that is really happening, except you know, just the last couple of months. You know, conveniently, without enough time to really get the job done before the next election. But, but Sheila, I think right now, everyone watching this segment is screaming this very relevant question. How did this happen in the first place? We're not talking one or two or 12 uh, ineligible voters being admitted to the list. We're talking about 112,000. And I'm just trying to understand, and perhaps you can give it to me, Sheila, what the nitty-gritty tangible process was in getting somebody who couldn't qualify to vote on the list in the first place. Well, you know, Canada doesn't exactly have the most stringent voter ID laws. You can show up and you can have somebody vouch for you. You can show up and say, yeah, I vouch that so-and-so is a citizen eligible to vote, lives in this riding. And that's all you need. So if you're not afraid of perjuring yourself, um, then you can be a voucher for someone who's an illegal voter. We There's no requirement to show up with your passport or your gun license or your driver's license. You can just show up with, a, you know, a, a piece of mail like a bill and say, yeah, I'm eligible to vote. Trust me, I'm a Canadian citizen. And I think you know a little bit about this, David, because you did dress in a burqa and voted. <laughs> and they didn't seem all that concerned with confirming your identity. It, it, it was absolutely surreal. But the question is, Sheila, why isn't a passport or a firearms license or a driver's license or a citizenship card, why isn't this ID necessary? I mean, if you or I want to fly um, just for a mm -hmm. leisure trip, uh, we can't get out of an airport uh, without identification. We can't cross a border if we're driving, you know, uh, across the U.S.-Canada border. I mean, the very idea that... Um, I'm this guy, and this guy, you know, he pinky swears I'm who I say I am. 
that can't be allowed to happen because you know it's going to be abused. And here's the proof in the pudding, 112,000 cases of abuse. Well, yeah. And when people try to change these laws to tighten them up, to preserve the integrity of our election, to make sure that my vote and your vote isn't nullified by 112,000 thousand illegal voters that's more than the the uh population of red deer alberta by the way um every time somebody introduces a motion to uh, tighten this stuff up they are accused of racism they are accused of saying you are targeting immigrant communities marginalized communities refugee communities i think that's the bigotry of low expectations i think that immigrant and refugee communities who those among them who are eligible to vote in canadian elections are just as capable as I am of going and getting the proper ID and turning up at the ballot box. It is absolute bigotry to say that these folks are incapable of meeting the very basic requirements to cast a vote. You know, it is the racism of Lord Expectation, Sheila, and I would even go one step further for many people who have immigrated legally into Canada from really horrible, nasty regimes. One of the things they cherish here is that we do have democracy. This is not North Korea or Venezuela or Iran. And the idea that this you know, precious gem of democracy should be watered down um, in such a fashion, uh, that's disgraceful. So they would want um, this system preserved and enshrined, I should think. Well, yeah, I mean, you really only have to look at the uh, Chinese community in Burnaby, British Columbia. They are the ones who are sounding the alarm bells about, I guess, the impolite term would be anchor babies from China. Chinese women who are coming to Burnaby um, and having their babies and then using that baby, who's now a Canadian citizenship through birthright citizenship, to sponsor the rest of the family into the country. And it's the Chinese community in Burnaby, the Chinese immigrant community, who are the ones who are saying this is unfair and something needs to be done. And yet the Liberals will call them racist against Chinese people for wanting to preserve the value of Canadian citizenship. And you know, something can be done because that loophole in the UK in the early 80s yep. uh, was taken away. So we know there is a solution and there should be a solution for this Elections Canada garbage, because that's what it is, Sheila, and I hope, you know, we got a rat wrap right now, but I hope if we indeed have regime change uh, come October, that um, the new people in charge will take care and clean up this mess. And, and by the way, one last thing, this idea of Elections Canada saying, oh, we've run out of time, uh, it's too much work, shame on them, just shame on them for basically throwing in the white flag of surrender, assuming they aren't colluding with this watered down, no one is illegal kind of mindset in the first place. Yeah, I mean, making sure the votes that were cast were proper votes is literally their only job. <laughs> Everything else is noise. And I hope if the Conservatives get in power in, in October that they gut Elections Canada and weed out all these bureaucrats who are jeopardizing the value of our elections. Amazing. It's like telling the city dog catcher to go catch some dogs and he says, what, you want me to catch dogs? What do you think I am? Sheila, we, we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much. An excellent commentary once again, my friend. Great, David. Have a great weekend. You got it. And happy Dominion Day to you. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
You know, my boss, Ezra Levant, was joking when he called it the media party. But in fact, it's true, and I just confirmed it on video. A prime minister's office staffer stopped me from going in those doors because I have this microphone for no other reason than that. I came to the White House. I covered Donald Trump and Trudeau appearing with him for a very brief 80 minutes. Most of that was taken up with local reporters talking about Iran. So Justin Trudeau had a pathetic amount of time with the leader of the free world. So he comes here to speak with media in a controlled environment where the Canadian press gallery decides who and who can and who cannot go and speak to the prime minister. Now you're saying, oh, well, Kean, the Canadian press gallery is an independent third party organization. Oh, contraire, it's not. Listen to what this PMO staffer had to say. Good, how are you? He won't be able to come in okay. to, the, uh, to the event. Why? Uh, just because your organization is associated with white nationalism and white supremacy, uh -huh. and those values and, uh, and views are not, uh, are not welcome in this place. So. so I'm allowed in the White House to cover a news event, and I'm not a white nationalist, I'm not a white supremacist, but you your guys get to arbitrate. been associated with that uh, type of behavior and rhetoric, so the White House so accreditation the prime, will So the Prime Minister's them. office has made the unilateral decision to not let me in? The Prime Minister's office has agreed with the Canadian Press Gallery that your organization's views are not welcome. So that's all I have. They'll get you to leave, but I just so, wanted to come So the Prime Minister's know. office determines who can and cannot cover Canadian politics it's in the a, United it's States. It's a Canadian embassy event, and you are also not an accredited journalist in the Canadian press gallery at a Canadian media event, and that's why. Absolutely stunning. Yet another flunky suffering from rebel derangement syndrome. Apparently, this time around, the rebel is media non grata because we're, quote, associated with white nationalism and white supremacy. End quote. You know, I think that allegation is borderline libelous, for I'd sure love to see that security guard prove such an outrageous allegation in court. However, I will give him this. At least Magilla, the, the gorilla in the designer's shades, had the decency to give us a reason for being excluded, even if the reason was equal parts preposterous and false. Because when it comes to the Trudeau Liberals, and for that matter, the Parliamentary Press Gallery, Usually we are never given an actual reason as to why we're being denied entry into everything from UN conferences to the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights to even a media event celebrating World Press Freedom Day. It's usually just, you have to leave now. How perverse. Back in 2015, we were promised sunny ways, my friends, sunny ways. So why does Canada increasingly feel like an overcast day in North Korea right now. And joining me now in our studio is our roving reporter, Kian Bexty, one of the latest rebels to be given the bum's rush. Well, you're always welcome here, Kian. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Now, listen, take us back uh, to that day in Washington. You've already been granted access uh, basically to the highest levels of U.S. government, no problem, easy peasy, and yet you go to this office manned and operated by your own country. And as we saw on the videotape that, uh, you know, um, uh, that, that big guy with the sunglasses comes out and just tells you to scram. And the reason he tells you to scram is he's likening you to what, a neo-Nazi? I, I mean, Kian, what, what were you thinking at that point? Well, I, I don't want to give him too much credit. He's not that big of a man. He's kind of this <laughs> weaselly PMO staffer. He wasn't even a security guard. He was a he was a partisan political staffer who kicked me out of my own embassy. Oh, I see. It's okay. disgraceful what he did. I'm I'm still frustrated when I think about what happened that I could go to the White House and and 
they, I was welcomed with open arms by the Donald Trump administration. It was spectacular. It's because they respect the First Amendment, but of course we don't have that in Canada. Yes. And when we were at the embassy, Canadian rules applied, and uh, that means Justin Trudeau's rules applied. And if you're not in the bought-out media, you're in the banned media, and we're in the latter. You know, Kian, um, as a matter of fact, not only do we, have, do we not have the First Amendment or anything like it, but increasingly, if you look at what's happening, Motion 103, um, the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights I alluded to in the introduction, that's where I went earlier this month to cover it. This is about bringing back the odious uh, anti-free speech pro-censorship Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act. Uh, essentially, uh, you can be taken to a kangaroo human rights tribunal for hurt feelings. So far be it from the First Amendment, we're going the polar opposite way. We are seeing a clampdown of free speech in this country, and I haven't even gotten into the whole social media aspect here. Um, does this worry you moving forward, uh, A, as a Canadian, and B, as a journalist, just trying to do your job? Of course it does. I mean, at the end of the day, Canadians are better served when they have a variety of ideas and opinions to sift through and determine uh, what they you know, what they think is factual, what they think is funny, or, or whatever, you know, and, and silencing certain journalists because they're critical of your government is just doing a disservice to Canadians. It's taking ideas out of the marketplace uh, and it's creating a monopoly, a, a, a fabricated monopoly for your ideology, and that's Justin Trudeauism right now. And, you know, from going from sunny ways to slimy ways, uh, I again refer to that Standing Committee on Justice, Justice and Human Rights, my cameraman Efren and I, we uh, drove all the way from Toronto to Ottawa to cover that. Um, a day ahead of time, we applied through the proper channels for the press credentials. Here's the slimy thing I didn't like, uh, Kian, and I think it speaks volumes. They denied us our press credentials 20 minutes before the committee was set to, to sit. Uh, we still went in as members of the public, mind you, so it was all for naught. Uh, but not only are they denying us entry for, and I don't think they have any right to do so, but it's the way in which they're doing it. You know, we're going to make you drive to Ottawa. We're going to make you fly to Poland, fly to Morocco, and once you land, ha ha, guess what? You're not getting in. This is beyond petty. It is petty. <laughs> I, and, and it's not even just Canadians, right? It's, uh, it's, ever, it's happening all around the world. It's happening in the United States just today. And I'm not sure when this is going to air. I, I think Friday. Uh, just today, which is Wednesday, the Donald what uh, subreddit on Reddit was just banned. It was it was deplatformed uh, the day before the Democratic debates in the United States, which is terrifying to think of because you know Reddit is a little bit of a left-leaning website, mm. but there's this huge group of people who share uh, you know memes, posts, stories, and opinions that has just been wiped off the face of the earth. It's it's scary what's happening in the U.S. and it's happening everywhere not just in Canada. Yeah, and you know, th this I think is gonna be one of the biggest issues moving forward uh, as it pertains to social media. And that is uh, what happens in the public square. Um, we have basically very left-leaning social media companies in Silicon Valley, Google, YouTube, Twitter, and the like. And they're actually, they're not even shy about admitting, um, like if you say to them, did you, de it looks to us like you're deplatforming right of center voices, they go, yeah, and your issue is. Um, 
What I'm getting at is that I think this is only going to worsen, and again, going back to uh, U.S. law, because they have the First Amendment, I'm wondering if we are going to see something in the, day, in the years ahead, perhaps, much like more than 100 years ago in the U.S., uh, antitrust legislation was invoked to break up Standard Oil into something like 31 or 34 companies, that these social media titans are, you know, they're playing with fire because uh, even more so than Standard Oil, free speech is indeed protected by the Constitution. Do you see this scenario going this direction? Well, perhaps? God, I hope so. Because <laughs> we're, we're coming to a point where uh, conservatives have no option, you know, they, and, and Canadians are going to just, and, and well, not just Canadians, mm -hmm. as I said, they're going to start only seeing left-wing drivel pumped through their social media. And, you know, you just have to talk about what uh, happened with the uh, Veritas project when they exposed Google for calling Jordan Peterson and a bunch of Jewish people Nazis uh, and saying that they were going to deplatform them, de them, but not explicitly saying you're not welcome on our platform, but more insidiously shadow banning them. So they keep acting, you know, they keep producing content, uh, but their audiences just disappear because uh, their content is not showing up on their feeds. It's, it's scary, frankly. You know, it is scary. And what I find um, perversely amusing, uh, Kian, in terms of the staggering hypocrisy is the left apologizes for this by saying, oh, come on, these are private companies. Let the free market economy um, uh, function as it's meant to. Oh, the same people that want the government in every aspect of our life, the same people that campaign even for communism today, um, suddenly when it comes to social media, oh, it's um, the free market should decide everything. Don't you find that stunning? Yeah, how about the free market <laughs> decides how much carbon gets put into the atmosphere and then see what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh no, we need to regulate it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, God, they're, they're hypocrites, every single one of them. Yeah, it, they, they love the nanny state until the nanny state doesn't work for them. But, you know, getting back to the I issue at hand, um, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, time will tell, of course, if we do get regime change in Ottawa come October 21st. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I would suggest that this is the template for us here at The Rebel. We are anything involving um, the Trudeau Liberals, and for that matter, uh, the media party, because we, on Friday, uh, Efren and I went to a Trudeau Eid dinner event and we were the only media that got kicked out, never given a valid reason. Yeah. But what really bothered me, Kian, is that the media, the other members of the media saw the circus that was unfolding with us getting the bums rush. And do you think even one of them did what I would have done, which would be to interject myself in the argument and say something like, hey, listen, if you're kicking him or her out, we're all gonna walk out. But no, it is, it is like they are bought and paid for and existing as state stenographers. They quite literally are bought and paid for. Yeah. Uh, like I said, they're either bought or they're banned by Trudeau. So uh, it's it's sad. And it's something that we're going to turn. This is, yeah, I mean, we're moving to a point where we can't rely on press galleries, we can't rely on social media platforms, and we're going to have to rely on emailing lists where it's like we're going to go back to 2000 when the only way we can communicate with people uh, consistently 
is is emailing. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to wrap it there. We're uh, running out of time, uh, Kian. I would suggest this. Um, I think the Trudeau Liberals right now are using the carrot and the stick. The carrot is 1.5 billion to the CBC, 600 million dollars for the rest of you. Play ball with your Uncle Justin in Ottawa, and everything's all right, mate. But if you don't play ball, well, you know what? There's this little thing we can do with our friends in Silicon Valley, Valley called deplatforming. And I think given the state of media today, if I'm a journalist in one of those organizations, there's no other jobs. Um, I think I'll just be a good little soldier and play ball. And uh, to me, it's like a soft form of censorship. In fact, it's even worse, my friend. It is self-censorship. Your thoughts in 20 seconds, my friend. Self-censorship self in terms of the, the Prime Minister's office censoring? Oh, no, of the media themselves, not uh, moving forward with uh, stories. Well, I mean, I mean, the media can do what they want. That's why they're being, being labeled the legacy media at this point. They're, they're, di they're a dying breed. Uh, alternative media is taking a huge chunk of their viewership, and they're absolutely terrified by that. You can just look at our coverage of the Alberta election and see that we had more viewers than the CBC. Uh, we had the most viewed video that came out of that whole election. The media is dying, and it's because of the way they're acting. 100%. Kian, thank you so much for dropping by. I have no idea where your next destination <laughs> is when you get back to Pearson Airport, but thank you so much. And folks, keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. You have to leave right now. Well, the, yeah, that, I'm asking the reason for the difference, sir. Because you have to leave right now. This is a private event, and I'm sorry you... Uh, it's a private event open to media, obviously. I see all the cameras here. Uh, it's not open to everyone. It's not open to you, sir. Yeah, quote, it's not open to everyone. It's not open to you, end quote. Yet, why was that Eid Mubarak dinner in Toronto featuring guest of honor Justin Trudeau not open to all media? Well, if you watch the video, folks, in its entirety, that is, the default answer is simply, quote, you have to leave, end quote, which, of course, is a non-answer. However, I must point out that later in our interview, Mr. Bass of the Canadian Muslim Vote, which organized this jolly jihad of joy, implies that since we are not a member of Unifor, that giant union that represents some journalists in Canada, then we are not real media. Interesting. Oh, and by the way, Unifor happened to be one of the sponsors of the Eid Mubarak dinner. <laughs> Funny how that works, eh? Oh, well, as General Motors employees in Oshawa receive their pink slips as their plant is mothballed later this year, I'm sure they will take great comfort in knowing that their union dues are being well spent propping up an Islamic organization known as the Canadian Muslim Vote. <laughs> In any event, here's what some of you had to say about how only one media outlet that evening, little old Luz, was told to take a long walk off a short pier. Ray Moyes writes, he's asking the questions they do not like, so he has to leave. Yes, welcome to Freedom of the Press, Trudeau style in 2019, namely be a good little well-behaved state-sanctioned stenographer and then you can come in for all the lamb chops you can devour. But if you choose to give the other side of the story or offer contrarian opinions, well, you are promptly deemed media non grata. This is not conjecture. These liberals have actually banned rebel reporters from covering UN conferences abroad. Something I tried to address last month with Miriam Monsef, 
on World Press Freedom Day, if you can believe it. Hey, Minister Monsef, uh, David Menzies with Rebel Media. Just a quick question. Um, the United Nations, oh no, the United Nations uh, told our reporters they were banned from covering their conferences due to um, a directive from the Canadian government. Do you support that? I hope you support what we're doing here today, which is ensuring freedom of expression and an independent free press for your colleagues around the world. But, but that's precisely the point. Um, we traveled to Morocco, we traveled to Poland, and we were shut out of UN conferences because of an edict from your government. Does that sound like world press freedom to you, Minister? What we're doing today is supporting an independent and free press in some of the most troubled regions of the world. And I have no doubt that you rejoice in this investment and this initiative. Well, you know, but how, how do you square the fact that you won't even let Canadian journalists that might have a dissenting opinion about things like immigration and climate change to attend UN conferences? And here you are um, advocating for World Press Freedom Day. Thank you. Thanks very much. Okay. This doesn't look like a lot of freedom, ladies. Well, she's in her private area now. Thank you very much. Oh, and par for the course, after Monsef's non-answers to us, we were, yes, frog-marched out the building yet again. Happy World Press Freedom Day, everybody. Jeff H. writes, I wonder if Omar Cotter will be the guest of honor. Funny you should say that, Jeff. Prior to our encounter with Mr. Bass, we did streeters in the venue's parking lot. We asked numerous attendees if they thought Omar Cotter was innocent. Get this, not one person attending this Eid event would answer that question. Not a single one. What's the matter? Can't cut your tongue? Marty No BS writes, Hey, soy boy, I thought diversity was our strength. I guess that doesn't apply to journalism. Yeah, Marty, but that diversity is our strength chestnut only applies to such factors as race, religion, and nationality, not thoughts. In the liberal lexicon, there is precious little tolerance for diversity of opinions. That might prove, you know, dangerous when it comes to progressive ideology. So let's all be non-diverse on the inside, but ultra-diverse on the outside. Wow, you're even more diverse than me. You're promoted. Hey, that promotion was for me. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> Jay Zen writes, Liberalism is a mental pathology. They all act the same way. Fake smile while walking away or fake ignorance while walking away or get angry and demand you to walk away. Hilarious. Smell the tolerance. Thank you, David. You rock, sir. Best journalist in Canada, hands down. Oh, wow, Jay Zen, what a compliment. But before I rest on my laurels here, here comes a reality check from Eric Krupa, who was not at all sympathetic to our plight. Eric writes, I don't blame anyone for turning away your crew if anyone has done any research at all. They are very much aware that Rebel Media is not on site to perform journalism. You guys specialize in incitement and politically skewed rhetoric, which can easily be done from the laptop in your living room. Well, Eric, it would really, really help your argument if you are able to cite some examples pertaining to our supposed lust for incitement. And seriously, do you think for a single nanosecond that the likes of the CBC and the Toronto Star don't have a politicized bias when they cover the news? I mean, as they say down on the midway, my friend, let's not kid the kidders here. 
But the thing is, even if I were to accept your argument when it comes to the business of a gatekeeper that would be entrusted with picking and choosing those organizations that are so-called real media outlets, well, just who, pray tell, gets that job? Would it be the Unifor Union, the Trudeau Liberals, some Ottawa bureaucracy like the Canadian Human Rights Commission? If so, I think back to one of the few Latin phrases I know, but it's a profound one. Quiz custodia tipsos custodias. Who guards the guardians? Oh, by the way, folks, I learned all my Latin phrases from Justice League cartoons, and perhaps that's fitting given we are increasingly living in a cartoonish world. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. And in the meantime, I wish all of you a very happy and joyous Dominion Day. Make it special. Good night.